1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fees 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. CT Mobile.com. For the next hour, talking University of Miami basketball with head coach Jim Laranega. Last night, the Hurricanes went on the road. Lost to a very good Duke squad. And uh, Rodney Miller, you heard there, Rodney had himself a double-double, so a career night for Rodney Miller. And joining us now, University of Miami head coach Jim Larenega Coach Joe, good evening. How are you doing tonight? Uh,
2: I'm good, Joe, but I don't want to be talking about Duke last night. That uh-huh. was a, a nightmare, <laughs> and uh, I don't like reliving those.
1: <laughs> I thought we'd move past it pretty quickly uh, if we could. Uh, but they right. did play. They they were at the top of their game. You put, and uh, they kind of ambushed you early on.
2: Well, you know, I, I love this group because I think we have very good chemistry. We got a bunch of good guys, and uh, if we were a healthy team and we had all eleven scholarship players available and competing, I I, I think we'd be right in the mix for for the ACC championship. But. We're not healthy. Uh, We wanted to get uh, Nasir Brooks uh, available this year so he could help us. He's a transfer from Cincinnati. He's 6'11", 245 pounds. He was the defensive player of the year in Cincinnati's conference. And uh, we tried to get a a waiver, and and, uh, that wasn't going to happen. So he ended up uh, having knee surgery. Uh, And he hasn't practiced since we got back from Italy in August. And then uh, Dan Gack went down with a knee injury after our seventh game. He's out for the season. And then Keith Stone, he got hurt in our first game uh, against Duke. Actually, he got hurt in the Clemson game, the game before Duke. And uh, at that time when he was available to us, we were five and one. The only team to beat us was Duke. And we got our fingers crossed that he'll be back before too long. But without Keith Stone, without Dan Gack, without Nasir Brooks, we're a very small team. And we're having a hard time competing on the backboards. And then, in addition to that, in our preparation for Duke, which was last night, a Tuesday night, we played Florida State on Saturday. And on Sunday, I went into the training room to check up on my players, and not one of them could practice. Chris Likes, our leading scorer, had had a like a um, uh, like a hip flexor. Uh, Cam McGusty had back spasms. Uh, DJ Vasilevich had a knee issue. Sam Wardenberg continues to have a knee issue, uh, and so that's. Four of our starting five. And, oh, by the way, Rodney Miller sprained his ankle against Florida State. So all five of our starters are out. So we didn't have practice on Sunday. We didn't practice on Monday. We just boarded a plane and went to to uh, Durham. And, of course, uh, Duke coming off of two straight losses, including to Louisville at home, they were ready and they were fired up. And as you know, Joe, our game plan was to pack it in to try to prevent uh, Vern Carey from dominating like he did here back on January 4th. And we hoped that, that uh, they would miss some threes. And instead of missing, they caught fire early and and, and got ahead by 10 points in, in the first three minutes.
1: Yeah, Matthew, uh, Matthew Hurt, who uh, had a big game earlier this year against Boston College, he was the one who Uh, caught fire early on, made the shots. What did you think uh, of uh, Rodney last night, the job he did on Vernon Carey, and the fact that Rodney seems like he's continuing to grow with his game, 13 points, 13 rebounds, a double-double against Duke. Perhaps uh, that'll be something that uh, helps his confidence.
2: Well, two things I'd like to talk about. One, we, we just mentioned Matthew Hurt, and I talked to Dick Vitale, uh, who is the Hall of Fame analyst uh, for for ESPN. And um, he was saying after watching Matthew Hurt now after several games, he thinks he might be the next coming of Larry Bird. That's how good he thinks he is. Great shooter, quick release, high arching, uh, a guy that's probably going to be an NBA All-Star and you combine him with Vernon Carey 610270 uh a McDonald's All-American and right now is in the running for ACC player of the year and maybe national player of the year so when you ask me about Rodney Miller I think Rodney battled uh Vern very very well with the help of Sam Wardenberg and with the help of uh Uh, Anthony Walker, who got his chance to to really earn some good playing time last night. The only thing is, by helping so much on Vern, we gave Matthew Hurt all those threes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're you're darned if you do and darned if you don't. When we go out and play the threes, then Vern carries in there dominating. When we try to take away the paint and take away Vern, uh, then Matthew Hurt is on the perimeter killing us. And in addition to that, we've got, you know, Chris Likes and Cam Mcgusty playing. They're fighting through injuries, and and you know, I, I said to I said to Chris Likes, look at, it, it might be better if you don't play. Well, Chris Likes personality when you say that is, oh, then I'm definitely playing. Hmm. What I what I should have said is Chris, you have to play, and then he probably would have said. Uh, You know, Coach, I'm banged up pretty much. Maybe I should take the night off. Because whatever you say to Chris, he's going to do the opposite. (laughs)
1: Um, uh, I think one of the most misunderstood things in sports is that you can defend everything, and when you're whatever whatever game you might be playing—basketball, football, baseball—you can't defend everything. In baseball, they'll put a shift on. Well. If a guy has a shift to the left field and he hits it to right field, well he can't defend it so uh teams are always trying to beat your plan, and that was kind of what you told your team Let's force Duke to execute their plan better than our plan uh, but um do you think that is one of the more misunderstood things in in sport that uh this this notion that you can defend everything?
2: Well, here's the way I look at it. We played Florida State, who just beat Louisville, and Louisville just beat Duke. We played Florida State at home here, and our game plan was exactly the same against Florida State. It was it wasn't against Duke. Packing in the paint, try to force them to beat us from the outside. Well, against Florida State, it worked beautifully until very very late in the game when MJ Walker and Devin Vassell. Caught fire from three. But for the most part, we led in that game for 30 of the 45 minutes, and we actually led by nine with five minutes to go when they did force some turnovers and get some easy baskets. So that same game plan, because both Duke and Florida State are a pressure team. They're out there pressing. It's like a football team that blitzes. They, they go after the quarterback. And they went after Chris Likes, Florida State did, and he scored 24 points. He was terrific. The only thing is, he plays against Duke last night, and he's got a hip flexor, and he's not as quick. He's, he's, he, he, he can't get by there. the pressure that, that uh, Trey Jones is putting on him, and so he ends up taking some difficult shots and missing. So players don't play the same way, Joe. You can't defend everybody the same way, but I very much have liked our game plan in these last several games. And I think we got to stick with it and just get better at it. But the only way we can truly get better at it is get healthy.
1: Yeah.
2: And I've already been told that uh, Chris Likes and Cam Mcgusty can't practice tomorrow, <laughs> that they will be at the chiropractor and at the physical therapist working on their injury. So, How do you practice without your your two leading scorers?
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. You have invisible men out there. I'm not sure. That's going to be a a challenge. And then you mentioned a guy like Walker. He played 24 minutes last night. Beverly played 21. Isaiah Wong played uh, almost 16. So uh, your freshmen are getting a pretty good indoctrination of the ACC.
2: Well, I think all three players provide something a little different. Harlan Beverly is our backup point guard, so he's the one that has to give Chris Light's needed rest. All right. Anthony, Anthony Wong is our sub at the, the wing position for D.J. Vasilovich and Cam McGusty, and he has got a lot of energy. He He can defend, he'll rebound, but for some reason, He's not comfortable at the offensive end. This kid averaged 22, 23, 24 points a game in high school, was the Philadelphia High School Player of the Year. We were counting on him to be uh, a scorer for us, and he he hasn't been able to find his niche. He did have eight points last night. He got to the foul line, made four free throws. He made a, a jump shot and a layup, but overall, it's been very challenging for him to really get comfortable making shots. He's shooting a very, very low percentage. Uh, on the other hand, Anthony Walker has basically one thing we've we've tried to, to work with him on, and that's effort. Just play harder. Run the court faster. Get the stance and play defense harder. And f- up until about... I'll say a week ago, we went to NC State. I wouldn't even put him into the game because his effort in practice the day before was so bad. But something clicked, and when we came back from NC State, he practiced really well on Thursday, practiced really well on Friday. He played some against uh, uh, Florida State on Saturday and then had a, a really good workout on Monday. And I decided, look, I'm going to throw you in right away because, you know, Rodney's got this sprained ankle, Sam's got this bad knee. Let's see what you can do. And and I thought he did a nice job. And he's very athletic. He's not as strong, you know, as a freshman. He needs to get to about 220. He only weighs about 205. He needs 15 pounds of muscle. He needs to live in the weight room during the off season, and just get physically stronger and learn how to give great effort every day. But he's got a lot of potential to help us, and hopefully he'll help us this Saturday against Carolina because we got to go back up there to Chapel Hill on Saturday
1: at noon. Yeah, they have uh, Virginia Tech tonight. Uh, when you're working with these the young players, and uh, you have done a marvelous job through the years of, of player development, and you're trying to develop – uh, a Beverly or a Wong or a Walker, and you're you're talking to them about their game, and uh, trying to instill confidence and so forth and so so forth and so on. How much of it is convincing them of the perspective that they need to have?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Joe. Because every player comes into our program, and every player comes into every college basketball program with their their own ideas the way they were coached, what they were taught is correct at the high school level. And then they get to college and find out the game is very different. It's faster, it's more physical, the the players you're going against are older, you're no longer the star of the team coming in, unless you're one of those superstars like a Vernon Carey um, or a Zion Williamson or guys like that, you've kind of got to wait your turn and learn the college game. And most players come in thinking that their college careers are just going to be an extension of what they experienced in their senior year of high school. Man, I was a great high school player. I'm just going to go in and be a great college player. So what happens is, and I'll use defense as the perfect example, when they're in high school, most players are taught to guard their own man. But when you get to college, you not only have to play good individual defense against some other tremendous high school player who is now in college, maybe two or three years older than you, but you also have to learn how to play team defense where you're not just guarding your own man, but you're helping your teammates guard them. And they most, I'll say 95% of the freshmen don't learn that in high school. So what happens is uh, the players come in and when you start teaching them team defense, they're like, no, I never did this before. I don't really believe in team defense. Now, they don't say that, but their behavior, the way they practice, and you're constantly telling them, no, you got to get in the help position. And they're like, what are you talking about? I got my man. No, you don't guard your man right now. You help the guy who is guarding the ball. And so we've had, and, and these three freshmen that we have, Arlen Beverly, Isaiah Wong, and Anthony Walker are perfect examples of guys who, if all they had to do was guard their own man when he had the ball, they would be good defenders. But because you got to go from guarding the man with the ball to helping somebody else to back to your man, back and forth constantly, and then also contribute by rebounding, they find it very, very difficult because it requires so much more effort than they've had to give during their high school careers.
1: Okay, we're going to uh, use one of our timeouts here. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back and talk uh, more of the University of Miami head coach, Jim Laranega, who does have the best perspective on uh, all kinds of subjects, and we'll bounce around a little bit here tonight. Kings will play North Carolina. On Saturday, tip-off at 12 o'clock. We'll be on the air at 1130 with Hurricanes Countdown to tip-off. Let me talk to you about one of my other favorite subjects, and that is Williamson Cadillac and Ed Williamson, his lovely wife Carol Williamson. Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's very unique community for over 52 years. Now, you can't survive in the automobile business for 52 years unless you have great customer service and have a great product, and that's exactly what they have at Williamson Cadillac. You can experience the next generation. Of Cadillac, like the new Cadillac Escalade, the XT4, the XT5. I'm driving the XT5 now. It is marvelous. It's safe, it's smooth, it's quiet, it's roomy, it is just one heck of an automobile. Or the CT6 is the first ever 2020 Cadillac XT6, also in stock. Three rows of luxury ready for delivery right now. Ed Williamson. He has been at the same facility for so many years. It's conveniently located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Or you can view their entire inventory online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami.
0: Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U, AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM, driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki.
1: All right, welcome back as we continue in the Hurricane Hotline with University of Miami Head Coach Jim Laranaga on Saturday, Miami and North Carolina from the Dean Smith Center. Tip-off at 12 o'clock will be on the air at 11.30. Coach, uh, big night in the NBA tonight. Everybody's talking about Zion Williamson. They tried to get Coach K to talk about it last night, and he said let's talk about Duke. But uh, what what do you think – how do you think Zion Williamson is going to do in the NBA?
2: Well, I'm going to be tuned in at least in part to, to watch that game to see how he does, um, but we also have a ton of ACC games that are starting at 7 uh, that I'm going to be very interested in because we're getting ready to, to play some of our upcoming opponents in the ACC or on TV tonight. Um, Carolina is on at 8 o'clock, and then Zion's at 9.30, so I'll be tuned in watching both those games. I think Zion Williamson is is really a freak of nature. A guy of his size and stature, height, weight, body type, that can run as fast as he runs, jump as high as he jumps, is as strong as he is, is as quick as he is laterally. And the enjoyment that he plays with, the passion, the smile, You know, Magic Johnson-type personality where, you know, he's hard to take your eyes off him. So I think a lot of people will be tuned in. I'm afraid, though, that because of his weight and size and athletic ability that he's going to be, you know, one of those players, maybe maybe like a Derrick Rose, that has to deal with injuries throughout his career. Yeah.
1: Does he remind you of anybody in particular in the NBA or that played in the NBA?
2: Well, I don't I don't think he's as skilled as Charles Barkley. Uh but I think he has some some Charles Barkley type um charisma and and scoring ability. Mm-hmm. Uh I think LeBron is a different character cuz the LeBron's Basically, guard skills. You know, LeBron could play the point. In fact, I think early in his career, that's what he really wanted to do. He wanted to be Magic Johnson and, and run the point. But I think because uh Zion is is not that tall, like, I don't know what they actually list him at. Joe, do you know? Is it six six or six eight?
1: I I don't know if he. Uh, I... They might listen. I think they list him at six eight, but he looks like he's six six or six five.
2: Yeah, he's not. He's not the typical big man. Yet, I wouldn't be surprised if a good portion of his young career, he plays the five, where he has all the advantages of his speed, quickness, and jumping ability, and rebounding ability, and yet. Um, not have to be out there too much on the perimeter, you know, guarding guarding a four man or a three man. You,
1: you, you so, would
2: it'll be interesting to see how the Pelicans utilize him.
1: You would you would not consider him an elite shooter, right? All all of his uh, no, the, the, the majority of his scoring is in the low block.
2: Yeah, he's a what I call a straight line driver. He takes the ball right to the rim and lays it in or dunks it. And he can hit a, a decent percentage from mid-range, but he's not really a three-point shooter. I think that that skill will come in time. I don't think he's void of a three-point shot, but I think he's very young. I mean, he's a rookie. You know, you, We're not talking about a guy who's been in the league for four or five years. What's very funny, listen to this. I was looking at the ages of some of these these players, and – you know who Jason Tatum is at the Boston Celtics?
1: Oh sure, yeah.
2: <laughs> he's 21 years old.
1: <laughs> we we saw him up close in person. he and personal. still be
2: in college. Right. Yeah. And you know who do you, do you know who uh Cassius Stanley is from Duke last night?
1: Yeah, I saw uh, that that thunderous slam dunk is still vibrating in my head.
2: <laughs> well, he's 20 years old and he's 2 years older than our freshman. <laughs> He's a freshman, our freshman, a freshman. Yet he's two years older.
1: We could have had Makes uh, a
2: big difference.
1: Oh yeah! If it, I think if this was if college basketball was like uh, uh, you know twenty years ago, or when you had guys like Ralph Sampson, we could have had a we could have had a Lonnie Walker Zion Williamson matchup in a Miami Duke game, or right or a Bruce Brown Lonnie Walker combination for a couple years. What would that have done for your program here? Had had it been, had this been uh, the way it was fifteen years ago, where twenty years ago, I guess I'm dating myself, where guys didn't leave until uh, you had to uh, classify for hardship or whatever it was.
2: Well, if if you go back in time, Ralph Sampson stayed at the University of Virginia all four years. Tim Duncan stayed at Wake Forest all four years. Michael Jordan stayed at Carolina for three years. James Worthy stayed at Carolina for three years. Um, you know, the, the, the uh, one and dones had not uh, come to light yet. Um, and now the amount of change in college basketball rosters is absolutely outrageous. Not, not only guys being one and done, but transfers. There are over a thousand, I think there's 1,050 players who transferred within Division One last year. And we're talking 350 schools. That's more than three guys per school transferring.
1: What's uh, also interesting to me is kind of upside down. In college basketball, you would like to have uh, an older team. I think a lot of people would like to have an older team. The mid-majors thrive with older players, yet the NBA – they want younger players. They want their guys younger. Uh, they like the one-and-done players. Why, why do you think the NBA prefers the to start off with the younger players?
2: Well, I, I've heard a lot of discussion about this. First of all, I'm not sure uh, that the NBA wants it, but I know the NBA agents want it. Yeah, They want to get – these young guys into the NBA so they can get to their next contract. Because when a player declares for the draft and gets drafted, even in the first round, even in the lottery, you are uh, your salary is predetermined. Your contract is not negotiable. It's set. Once your, your first contract is up and you're negotiating a second contract and a third contract, then you're on the open market and your agent can negotiate. So the agents want an 18 or 19 year old to get in, get his first contract. It's a nice salary. Uh, guys are making a million, two million, three million, four million in their first year. Uh, but then it jumps. Uh, you can get a a thirty million dollar a year contract. You know, a, a, a four year deal for a, a hundred and twenty million dollars. So that's what the agents are looking for, and of course that's what kids are looking for, and their parents are looking for. They want to get in and get the money as soon as possible.
1: By the way, I, I regress for one second. Lonnie Walker could see Zion Williamson tonight because San Antonio is playing against New Orleans.
2: Oh, he definitely will. They'll be be banging heads. They'll try to dunk on each other for sure.
1: (laughs) Um, This name might not mean a whole lot to South Floridians, but perhaps it should if you're a basketball fan. But Morgan Wooten, one of the great high school or maybe the greatest high school coach or one of the great high school coaches, in the Northeast, uh, certainly in Washington, D.C., passed away. Uh, how often did you come across and deal with him?
2: You know, I've known Morgan Wooten since I was 21 years old. I was an assistant coach at Davidson College, and Morgan Wooten was already a legend at DeMatha. And he had uh, a great senior class, and I went up there to recruit uh Adrian Dantley, who would go on to great fame at Notre Dame in the NBA, a young man named Billy Langlow, who played at the University of Virginia, and uh, another young man whose name escapes me right now, who was a great player at William and Mary. Um, So I met Coach Wooten, and he reminded me so much of my own high school coach, Jack Kern, out of Malloy. And eventually, in in in, uh, the next few decades those guys would actually become great friends. Uh, they were very much contemporaries. So uh it's very, very sad uh to lose uh Coach Morgan Wooten. Uh his son Joe Wooten is one of the outstanding high school coaches in the Washington D C area at O'Connell High School. Oh uh the whole basketball community mourns uh his death
1: his first year as a coach he won zero games. <laughs> Who did? Morgan Wooten. Is that right? Yeah, first year as a coach, he won zero games.
2: <laughs> I had no idea. And then he won a lot of games he, after that. Sure, yeah,
1: I think he had I think he had went thirty one years in a row where every single one of his seniors received a scholarship.
2: Yeah. Everybody recruited DeMatha. DeMatha produced more terrific college players than any other high school program in the country. Uh, if it was for 30 years or 30-odd years, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Uh, I did want to ask you, and you mentioned her uh, uh, earlier tonight on the show, and uh, he's not uh, able to play this year. He uh, comes to the University of Miami from, from Cincinnati. When we were in Louisville... I was. We were walking in the lobby, and uh, I was talking to him about the old Louisville teams because there was a restaurant by the hotel uh, owned by Daryl Griffith. And I asked him, I said, "You know who that is?" And he said, uh, "He did." And he said that he um, played. Uh, one of his coaches growing up was Nervous Purvis Ellison. Oh yeah, nice yearbooks. Those
2: those 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 names. Let's let's talk first about. Dr. Duncanstein, Daryl Griffith, was a tremendous player at Louisville, uh, the legend of like a 48-inch vertical jump, and one of the great leapers of all time. I didn't recruit him, but Purvis Ellison came out of Savannah, Georgia, and I did recruit Purvis. When Purvis was going to be a senior in high school, I saw him play at the Bill Cronow basketball camp. He was not ranked. He was not being highly recruited. And um, I went to Bill Cronow, who ran the camp, and asked him, and he said, what, you think he's good? I said, well, Bill, I've I've been here a week now watching – all your campers, he's your best camper. <laughs> he, he's the best player here. He said, no way. And he listed a bunch of guys with big reputations. And I said, he's better than all of them. And then we got heavily involved. He visited the University of Virginia, Purvis Ellison did. And then when it came down to making a decision, he told us, I'm either signing with Georgia tech on Wednesday or Louisville on Friday. And we said, what, what do you, what do you mean you're going to sign with Georgia tech on Wednesday or Louisville on Friday? He said, well, Georgia tech really hasn't offered me a scholarship yet, but if they offer me then I'm going to go there and play for Bobby Kremins. But if they don't offer me then I'm going to go to Louisville and play for Denny Hmm. Crumb. So we couldn't get him to Virginia. He signed with Louisville and Became the freshman of the year and led Louisville to the, the national championship and was the most outstanding player in the final four. They beat Duke in the championship.
1: And, and apparently Coach Nysir Brooks somewhere along the line. And uh, Nyseer, uh can't play this year. You you were always the first one off the bus. But, but next year maybe he should be number two because he's 6'11", 240. And when he gets off the bus, he looks really good.
2: Well, he's he's a very energetic, very likable, smiley, talkative, uh, <laughs> a, a guy who loves to play defense and rebound and block shots. Uh, he's going to be a tremendous contributor next year in so many different ways. He's such a good teammate. You know, the guys on the team love him. Uh, and he's hard on them.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, you'll see him
2: on the sideline cheering for them. But if a guy, you know, doesn't do what he's supposed to do, he'll he'll get on. He's a good leader as well.
1: Okay, we'll take a break. We have one more segment to go. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Carolina when we come back with University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega on the Hurricane Hotline right after this.
0: Now back to Hurricane. Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagaki.
1: All right, one more segment to go with Hurricanes head coach Jim Laronega. We have covered a wide variety of subjects tonight. Canes played Carolina on Saturday. Carolina's playing tonight. Coach, uh, there seems to be uh, lots of discussion inside the ACC about uh, which way the conference is swinging here this year in terms of the power. And it looks like it's um, Duke and Florida State, uh, Louisville, and then the fourth team creeping in there is kind of anybody's guess. Virginia's kind of faded off a little bit. Uh, North Carolina State has moved up, I think, into the number four spot.
2: Well, I, I think there's a lot of basketball still to be played. And, uh, Joe, I think you know we've played the most difficult schedule of anybody in the league. If you look, and I, I'm just talking about our, our conference schedule, but even if you look at our overall schedule, we on our schedule we've played Louisville twice, Duke twice, We've got Florida State twice. Those are six games in the top 10. Nobody else has that. And then we've got Illinois, which is like their 21st in the country. I only wish that Saturday we could have held on and beaten Florida State. That would have given us two top 25 wins, a top 25 win and a top 10 win. And had we done that, and got healthy right around now, we would be in the hunt. Yeah. But right now, I think it's anybody's ball game with with uh, Virginia slipping. Their their loss to uh, NC State at Virginia really helps NC State. Uh, they beat us last Wednesday, and then Virginia yesterday. They beat Clemson over the weekend. Clemson had a nice win uh, yesterday over Wake Forest. So. Uh, they're they're a little bit on a roll with a win over Duke, a win at Wake. Uh, So there's a lot of basketball still to be played.
1: Uh, Illinois, by the way, has only one home loss this year. Who was that to? Uh, That was to the University of Miami.
2: The Miami (laughs) Hurricanes. We had them down 27 at one point, (laughs) Joe. I
1: know, yeah. Was you fe- know who was healthy and
2: eligible to play that night?
1: Keith Stone was in the lineup that night.
2: That was Keith Stone's first game, and yeah. boy, was he a big help!
1: Yeah, that game. The he temple, came
2: in man. off the bench, gave Rodney Miller needed rest, gave Sam Wardenberg needed rest, scored some big rebound baskets, uh, played great defense, uh, allowed us to switch ball screens and keep their guards out of the paint. You know, one guy can make a huge difference, and we're hoping to get Keith back soon.
1: Uh, Virginia is kind of a great example of uh, scheme and talent. Uh, Tony Bennett's played the the same scheme, s- same scheme for years and years and years, uh, took him to the national championship last year, playing the same scheme this year except one problem. Uh, three of those guys they had last year went to the NBA.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting because, you know, we do a lot of research on numbers and studying teams. Last year, Virginia was one of the best teams in the country and the second best team in the ACC in making shots off the catch. Someone throw it to you, you catch it, and you shoot it. So they were number two in the ACC behind Virginia Tech, who was also a great catch-and-shoot team. This year, Virginia's 15th in that same category. So one year, you're great at it because you got players who are great at it, and the next year, you're not nearly as good. Now you can be good at other things, like Virginia is still a great defensive team, and they're a little better at shooting shots off the dribble. But their strength from the last three seasons was catch and shoot on offense. And now that's one of their the weaker aspects of their offense.
1: You have Carolina coming up on Saturday. Uh, that challenge with them is always their style. Uh, the 10-second layup, Cole Anthony was averaging Nearly twenty points a game when he was injured. Uh, since he's been out, they've had uh, it's been tough sledding for them. What, what, what do you see in Carolina?
2: Well, I think losing uh, Cole Anthony is a good example of how one player, uh, like a keystone, uh, joining our lineup can make because we went five and one with him. Or one sto- one player being eliminated because of injury, like like a Cole Anthony. You know, Carolina's uh, offense has been uh, stagnated. They're just not as powerful. They still look for the five-second layup. They still look to pound it inside. They're still big in around the basket. Uh, their big guys are very talented guys, McDonald's All-Americans, uh, but their perimeter game lacks that, that go-to guy. And what I would say uh, as far as Carolina is concerned, very much like Miami, they lost three critical players to the NBA. They lost Kobe White, who was a freshman last year, uh, Nasir Little, who was a freshman, and Cam Johnson, who was a fifth-year senior. So the year before, we lost Bruce Brown, Lonnie Walker, and Dewan Hernandez. So when you lose that kind of talent, you have to replace them with a great player. And Carolina did. They replaced Kobe White with a great player in uh, Cole Anthony. But when he gets hurt, boy, that leaves a big void in your backcourt.
1: Now, uh, they, in the past, were up around 80 points a game. They're at 69 points per game right now. And, uh, remarkably a game under 500 with their overall record at eight and nine.
2: Yeah. It's not, it's, you know, they're still very good. You know, you look at it and go, wow, eight, nine, that's terrible and what have you. But they've also played a very demanding schedule. Yeah. Their, their schedule is going to get tougher because they still haven't played, played Duke. Um, and I don't think they've played uh, Louisville. Did they
1: no, uh, I don't think they have. And I do believe that the ACC, again, backloads these schedules for television uh, for February for the ratings. Ratings uh, February's a ratings month, so I think they backload the schedule with a lot of the uh, so-called name teams.
2: Well, I know they have to play Duke twice. Yeah, And, you know, again, uh, the schedules for all ACC teams are imbalanced. You don't play everybody twice. But you do play certain teams twice, and it just so happens this year we're playing the best teams. You know, we played Louisville twice, Duke twice, Florida State twice, and also Virginia Tech twice, uh, and and a couple of others. But when when you're playing the best teams twice, uh, it, it's hard to beat them whether you're home or on the road.
1: Carolina has not played Louisville. They played Virginia, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Clemson. And Pittsburgh, uh, they've lost four in road. Yeah, Tech, they Pittsburgh, played Pittsburgh yeah. Twice. twice, yeah, and lost both times to them. Lost to Georgia Tech and Clemson as well. Um, all right, coach. Well, get some rest here. We had a late night last night, and uh, I'll see you on Friday as we go back to uh, go back to Raleigh one more time for the third time in eleven days. We go back to Raleigh.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Joe.
1: All right, coach. Take care. All right, that's uh, University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega joining us. When we come back, the uh, University of Miami football schedule, in fact the entire ACC schedule uh, for football was released earlier today. Uh, Don Bailey Jr. will join us. We'll go over the schedule and we'll go over uh, some of the other things that have happened with the U.M. football program in the last couple of days, including a new quarterback, another defensive end. Uh, They added a wide receiver. So uh, lots of things going on with University of Miami football. We'll touch on that with Don Bailey Jr., when we come back, but for this moment, can have your attention, please, and talk to you about Williamson Cadillac because Williamson Cadillac has been in this market for over fifty-two years in the luxury automobile market. You know, we were having a discussion earlier today about HD radio around here at the radio station, and uh, one of our engineers said, "Yeah, everybody in Miami has HD radio now because." Everybody gets new cars, and it's a luxury car market. So that leads you to Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been in the luxury car uh, business for 52 years, and right now you can check out the next generation of Cadillac, the Cadillac Escalade, the XT4, the CT6, the 2020 Cadillac XT6 with three rows of luxury. I'm driving the XT5. It is roomy. It's comfortable. It's safe, it's smooth, it's quiet. The X-T5, so if you're looking for a classy crossover, may I recommend the X-T5? You can visit Williamson Cadillac. They've got a great, great state-of-the-art facility, and it's easy to get to. It's convenient. It's located at US 1 and 104th Street. It is just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or if you want even more convenience, go online. And you can look at the entire inventory online at WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, it's your premier luxury dealership. And remember, Williamson is Miami. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s?
0: Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.